0: Beloved Church of God, beginning our service, I would like to ask you all to stand and we again will affirm the promise that belongs to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies let us bow our heads in prayer dear Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ we are grateful for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name and so allow your inheritance on the basis of the covenant of blood to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all evil and sin that binds us in the name of Jesus Christ may in this place be cursed as before all the works of devil illnesses Poverty, premature death, fears, phobias, depression, destruction, ignorance, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people, and so... Stand, Lord, in the place of your holiness, you and the ark of your greatness, and may your saints be clothed in your salvation. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by our anointed pastor in your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. You may be seated. Matthew chapter 5 verses 45 and 48 so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect called to perfection and this word is going to be in relation to those who are God's sun and God's clouds that are directed in order to fulfill the intentions that lay on the heart of the Father, called to perfection. This promised commandment is written in the book of Matthew and is presented to us in the series of sermons of Pastor Akadi. It is the inheritance of saints of all time and this commandment is addressed by Christ to his disciples. Therefore, those who do not accept the authority of the person sent by God have no relation whatsoever to the inheritance of this commandment. We have stopped to study the purpose Of the righteousness of God in the heart of a person expressed in the ability to clothe our essence into the holy or the selective love of God Colossians chapter 3 verses 14 through 15 but above all these things put on love which is the bond of perfection and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful Based on these words, the rule of the peace of God or the righteousness of God in our hearts is possible only under one condition. If His selective love will dwell in our hearts and we will be clothed in His selective love. And the character of the selective devil of God is presented by the Holy Spirit in Scripture in the light of seven unearthly virtues. This is written in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2-8. through 8. These are virtue, knowledge, self-control, patience, godliness, brotherly love, and love. And Pastor numerously mentions that each of these virtues of the fruit of virtue contain in themselves the characteristics of all other virtues because they flow from one another strengthen one another, fulfill one another, and are found in one another. These virtues are the moral perfections and standards that are inherent to the essence of God that are given to us through Christ Jesus and in which, by which we must become enriched with by these divine characteristics. And we can enter into the inheritance of these virtues only by accepting the Holy Spirit Only under what condition, if we accept him as Lord and ruler of our life. That is going to be expressed in what? In the obedience of our faith to the faith of God. And by inheriting these great and precious promises, we are made partakers of God's essence. So we become like God imitators of God the selective love of God presented in seven dignities and characteristics has nothing in common with human love that is filled with ignorance selfishness and inconsistency we know this from our own experience and apart from the tolerant and selfish love of man the unconditional selective love of God differs in that it carries the all-consuming zeal of God, His omnipotence and His absolute wisdom that is impossible to use for selfish and ignorant reasons. With this, it is the power of the fruit of the selective love of God in the format of seven earthly virtues that is called to destroy the power of death in our body and in its place reign the resurrection of Christ in our bodies and clothe our bodies and the resurrection of Christ in the face of our new man. Let's quickly remember what we have been able to highlight from pastor's notes so that we can give a definition to each of these seven characteristics. And so speaking about virtue in the selective love of God, we have established the origin and the source of all good. This is God. God. Whereas knowledge, the second quality in this selective love of God, is called to give us discerning of what is good and what is bad, or what God views as good and what He views as evil. And the third quality, self-control. This gives us the ability to choose that which God views as good and reject what He views as evil. The patience of Christ, this fourth characteristic, is founded on the ability to look at what God views as good and await with hope for the fulfillment of what we have seen. The discipline of godliness and the selective love of God is called to keep itself undefiled from what God views as evil and hallow God in our hearts and souls. And brotherly love and the selected love of God serves as the guide from death to life because we love the brethren, and whoever does not love his brother abides in death. And the seventh quality, love, it is the bond of perfection that is inherent to the essence of God. And so, in a certain format, out of the seven characteristics that in their bond define in our heart, the virtue of God in the perfection of His selective love, we've already looked at five virtues. And therefore, we will turn to studying the virtue of the love of God and the sixth, fifth characteristic. This is brotherly love. And today, we will try to conclude this virtue. So we have looked at Brotherly love that is called in the love of God, agape. And in the future, we will look at agape love, which will express itself in that atmosphere, brotherly love. And we will see that there is a specific difference there. Brotherly love that we have, how does it demonstrate itself in the selected love of God? And how the love of God, agape, is directed to us and tests us if we have brotherly love. Therefore, in the future, we will view the love of God agape in the atmosphere of brotherly love. We know that when a person is born of God, he is given the choice to either enter a state of death and become dead to God and unsuitable for any good deed, or enter a state of eternal life that he did not know of before and become fit for all good deeds in demonstrating brotherly love. 1 John three fourteen through 18 We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for, for their brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So, and as we have highlighted in the beginning... That Here, John says that we know that we have passed from death to life. We know that we love the brethren. This must be a knowledge that we have. And then, of course, the emotions will follow, because not always does a person have an emotion, because we want to try to feel everything, to try to feel love with our emotions. We want to feel that we have gone from death to life, or we want to think that we have gone from death to life. But Scripture says that we know that we have gone from death to life, and then our, uh, our feelings will follow. God doesn't have anything against feelings or emotions, He is for them. And emotions must be present. If I preach without emotions, if I preach without emotions, in about five minutes you all will be asleep. I use emotions, and I know that you have emotions and feelings. And you need to rely on this. And I need to rely on this after a long work day, and this is a wonderful instrument that God can use, but it needs to be correctly used. Brotherly love steps into legal power and gains its legitimacy when we comprehend that we are found in a state of infancy and are swayed by all kinds of winds of teaching according to the cunningness of men, and we decide to leave this infancy. Let's take a look at how brotherly love that we're talking about will have the legal right to allow us to leave infancy an infant is not able to love why because he is led by his emotions I am I, I feel I think I I think you need to leave this kind of state only by leaving the state of a carnal nature and how do you leave this infancy state of infancy Pastor Arkady off- offers for us four minimum of four things that are necessary in order to leave infancy first to leave infancy is, through the revelation in our heart, to, ac- to accept the powers of the authority of one person who is clothed in the power of the fatherhood of God, and we must refuse to explore the vast internet and evangelic gatherings which this person is not the head of. So we need to act towards things things like the internet correctly. This is a wonderful instrument, but it must be used correctly. If We don't don't use the internet to learn more about God. We don't use the internet to receive revelation. We use the internet as a servant, as our instrument. But when people go in there in order to receive something from there, through um, who knows what kind of people, certain definitions of truth, and this is called infancy. Second, to leave infancy is, through instruction and faith, to leave and reject our nation, the house of our Father, and the corrupt desires of our soul that are focused on so-called good works. Third, to leave infancy is through instruction in faith to engrave the truth of the reigning teaching of Christ on the tablets of our heart that have been cleansed from dead works. We cleanse our heart and we lead into their reigning teaching of Christ. If we do not cleanse our heart then and we try to bring some kind of truth in there, we'll be like Belshazzar, or this will be simply worship in the house of Baal, where we are going to use divine principles, divine words, not to worship God, but to bail. Therefore the heart must be cleansed, and then we must place the truth in it. Fourth, to leave infancy is through instruction and faith to accept the Holy Spirit in our heart as Lord and ruler of our life. Not all want to accept him. Why? Because as soon as we accept him as Lord and Ruler of our life, he says, Okay, gather your gather your luggage. What do you mean, gather my luggage? Can I at least stay for the night? No, you cannot. What luggage we ask to die to your nation, to die to your house under your corrupt desires. Gather your luggage. Take a look at what he had done with Rebecca. This he also does with us. And this is how he introduces himself as Lord and Ruler he calls us to sanctification. So how do we know, is he a guest or is he a master? If he's a guest, he's never going to lead us to sanctification. If he does lead us to sanctification, this mean, or if he does not, uh, then this means that we have a religious spirit. This is the most dangerous kind of spirit. If, a per, if this kind of spirit uh, does take control of a person, God may not be interested in this person. This is a very dangerous spirit, the spirit of lies and deception. Proceeding from the relations of Scripture, the nature of brotherly love which forms in our hearts the atmosphere of eternal life is hidden in the love of God agape, and unlike the three types of human love, it is beyond the emotional and rational capabilities that cannot penetrate into the fourth dimension in which God dwells. And so it was necessary for us to answer four classic questions. But what characteristics should we define people who are part of the category of our brothers for whom we are called to lay down our lives? We've already answered this. Second, what purpose is the selected love of God called to fill in brotherly love toward one another? Third, what conditions are necessary to fulfill to demonstrate the selected love of God and brotherly love in our faith? And fourth, by what signs should we test ourselves for the presence of brotherly love toward one another in the selected love of God? So we are going to talk about the signs today. And so in a certain format, we've already studied three questions in the demonstration of selective love. And we've stopped to study the fourth question. Again, we'll read it. By what signs should we test ourselves for the presence of brotherly love toward one another in the selective love of God? We have gone over four signs already, and today we will go over the fifth, sixth, and seventh one. But quickly, in summary, let's remember them. The first result of our demonstration of brotherly love in our faith will be when we cast out from the circle of our fellowship the person who secretly slanders our neighbor. So it's necessary to deal with slander and with the slanderer. And we know that slander is an instrument in the hands of the enemy, which he successfully uses and which comes through people and is directed to other people. It comes from people and is directed to other people. It comes from people who represent the kingdom of darkness, and they are directed to those people in the kingdom of light. For example, in our essence, slander comes from the old man. He slanders against our new man. There's two men. There's the old man He used those fears of our soul that have not been immersed in the death of the Lord Jesus for what? In order to slander against the new man, man against man in the church, carnal people who did not want to leave infancy, Satan uses them in order to slander against the inheritance of God, against Christians. And there's another category. This is the wicked and lawless people who uphold these people, uh, They have one goal, this is to destroy man who has the seed, who has the word, and who represents the fatherhood of God for the church. So we see one kind of people, he directs his his slander against the person who represents the fatherhood of God in the church. And Satan can do this through people. He can't slander against us simply just before God. Take a look at how in Job it's written, about how the, there was a day when the sons of God had come to stand before God and bef- among them Satan also came. He can't come in the presence of God. He can come when we come here. And he is found among those who have bitterness in their heart. The sons of God have come and among them is a slander that has come we must understand this and therefore it's necessary to cast out from the circle of our fellowship the slander, this begins from the old man and then this the Holy Spirit does with His
1: by separating
0: these people Holy Spirit helps separate these people The second result of brotherly love in our faith is our ability to be successful in brotherly love and be diligent in leading a quiet life, to mind our own business and to work with our own hands that we may walk properly toward those who are outside and that we may lack nothing. This is talking about the diligence that Christians have. And this diligence is directed. What is diligence? Again, we're talking about feelings. Again, diligence is first our volumbre, our voluntary and rational capabilities, if we are greatly satisfied from working that which we do, for example, bring tithes and offerings to the Lord with diligence. So I bring them, not because I know that I have to bring them, but I bring them with diligence. This word diligence is not just uh, using my rational qualities. There's also another part present here. I must Find pleasure in this, and I must have astonishment not in my feelings to stoop down to the level of saints and so forth. This must be diligence, diligence to lead a quiet life. We talked about how to lead a quiet life is to create an atmosphere in the church, to create an atmosphere in our heart in which meme can demonstrate themselves. So, when God can open through the power of the Holy Spirit that word and that revelation he has for us. This is the quietness of God. And of course, to do our work with our own hands. What kind of work do we do with our own hands? My work depends on where I'm found and what I'm doing there. If in our church we need to do plumbing, I will gl- 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 gladly do it. And this is my work. If in the church people sit and listen to Pastor Arkadi, my job is to do the same if I need to, uh, if I need to lead a night prayer, I will do so. If I need to sit quietly and just be quiet, I will do so. My work just depends on what where I am and what I must do. So these are binds, not what I am able to do. But you can do a lot of things. There are professionals here sitting in the church with diplomas, very successful people. We don't use all diplomas right now. We're not using them. They can't use them. They use different kinds of works. They bless this church with their presence along with God. The divine presence that they have, they came with Him. And with their divine presence, they bless others. Not, oh, I know how to do this better than myself. This is my calling in the church. This is not correct. A person must understand that he has a role uh, in the church. He might have a role in church, but a position is one. Our pastor, he represents the fatherhood of God. I
1: have a role
0: in the church, and Brother Akadi has, aside from a role, also a position, which God had prepared from childhood, and prepared him for this I am a part of his reward in his service. And what for me, it's quite fine to do what other people do, but for Pastor Akadi, this is not just his role, but his position in the church. It would be different if he was come and do plumbing with a snow, because he has a position. And we will, pa- Pastor Paul says, we will pray and speak the words And we will select others who will do other works in the church. These were very gifted people.
1: Apostles said,
0: these gifted with their signs and wonders and with their charismas, they will go and give food to eat to those who are
1: impoverished. And in doing doing
0: my my business, or if I work physically in the church, I am extremely satisfied. And the biggest satisfaction I receive when I am quiet in church, this is when when I listen to pastor and other saints, and rejoice along with them. At the result of our demonstration of brotherly love and our faith, we are able to keep quiet when someone devoid of understanding for whom we are a neighbor despises us. To be quiet when someone devoid of understanding despises us. And here we read about how there is a different kind of uh, void of understanding. So our intellect in relation to our spirit is devoid of understanding. A person who is carnal in relation to a spiritual person is devoid of understanding. This carnal person does not accept what is spiritual because he considers this rubbish. But God and God views him as devoid of understanding. When I come uh, uh, for advice to pastor, I act as if... I'm devoid of understanding, but I'm a a different kind of devoid of understanding. Not someone who can close someone else's mouth, but who comes and says, Pastor, I don't know how to do correctly. In this fear, I am devoid of understanding. But I have it in the positive sense. I am ready to hear what you will say and to listen to it because you have a revelation. I have this quality. My soul has this quality. Therefore, when we come before God, we must understand that first we must be quiet because if we, in our state of being devoid of understanding, begin to pray prayer, Scripture says that God says, "I will be quiet, because when de- people, someone devoid of understanding co- conducts prayer, he will be cu- he will be quiet." And I understood this, Lord, when I come into Your presence, I will wait for You to speak. And, and as to, for me not to wait long, I just take the words of we take the words of pastors and begin to pastor and begin to pray. I need to also speak to pray with those revelations which pastor has offered us. And this is how we can maintain contact with God. And speaking of someone who is devoid of understanding, we see that there's two different kinds. First, first quality. So those who are intellectual. We measure them according to their IQ. Today's uh, today's IQ, IQ or the level of their understanding. There are those people who are devoid of understanding but have a high IQ. They can speak of any topic. And there's another kind of uh, state of devoid of understanding who does not know anything and Scripture views that one and the other one as devoid. When that one and this one begins to express their thoughts, a person with a high IQ and high internet knowledge, and someone who does not have any internet knowledge, the person may have been born with some kind of deficit, and another one does not have a deficit but he has lots of knowledge, Scripture calls that one with a low IQ and with a high IQ devoid of understanding. Especially when this person says before the person who has revelation of God, who is filled with these revelations, why does he speak? This is one of the kinds. This is one of the ways we can express our nature toward a person. Scripture says, "If you are wise, then you must be quiet." While the devoid, someone devoid of understanding, begins to express his distaste toward you or the result of our demonstration of really love and our faith is our ability to not give place to the devil. To not give place to the devil is to not be angry. This means to be able to forgive. This means to not speak uh, bad words. This means to not be hypocrites. This person asked me, did this person did do some kind of gift? Yes, he accepted me very well. Okay, now your appraisal towards this person is disqualified completely if he's accepted you into his house. Why? Because a person has brought you with his good works. And now this person, he wants to pay him back. What What does he have to pay him back? He might not have a lot. Well, then with a good word, he can speak about this person. This person can be a dangerous person. He might be a dangerous person. That's why scripture says that we must have the ability to be... Saved from the hypocrite, uh, fifth the result, the fifth sign that we will talk about, or the fifth result of showing brotherly love in our faith will be our righteousness, which will be verified by our relationship towards strangers, the fatherless, and the widows. Deuteronomy 27:19. Cursed is the one who perverts the justice due the stranger, the fatherless, and widow, and all the people shall say, "Amen." From the existing statement, it follows that the justice to the stranger, orphan, and widow elevated to the law was ratified by Israel with the sacrifice on the tops of the mountains of Ebal and Gerizim. Under the state of a stranger, orphan, and widow, we are referring to our neighbor from whom our salvation depends. So, where does this state uh, express itself? First, this is our soul that has been lost in the death of the Lord Jesus and has been gained in a new dignity in his resurrection. This is expressed there. This state is expressed there. Second, this is a person clothed by the Holy Spirit with the powers of the fatherhood of God, without whom we can inherit salvation. And third, this is the bride of the lamb in the face of God's chosen remnants, the church that has this kind of state, bride of the lamb. So these three qualities must be in the state of a stranger, orphan, and widow. This is our soul, a man of God, church of God. All of these three components must abide that's why this is very important very important for us to be found in that church that meets these requirements sometimes people say well what is the difference where i go to church well this is the most foolish phrase that someone can say who loves god this is the most foolish phrase well what difference does it make there is a big difference It is the state of a stranger, orphan, and widow that defines our righteousness. The state of a stranger serves as a definition that we have died to our nation, because of which we have become foreigners and strangers to the world. The state of an orphan, let's remember, serves as definition that we have died to the house of our father, because of which we became orphans. And the state of a widow serves as definition that we died to the corrupt lusts of our soul, or to reigning sin in our body, who was our husband in the face of the old man, because of which we became widows. These three states are a definition of one fruit of righteousness in the dignity of Methuselah, who banishes death from our body, which inside of a person is the promise that relates to the door of our hope. The presence of this promise or Methuselah, the presence of Methuselah is a guarantee that we will be raptured in the pre-dawn darkness at the coming of the Lord in a meeting with the Lord in the air because we become dead to sin and alive to God. Luke chapter 17 verses 33 through 37. Here, let's take a look at how Luke states the words of Christ and we'll try to see Methuselah there in these words, Methuselah who banishes death to banish death means to enter death and to die to something and not just death i tell you to i forbid you in the name of the lord no what is this this is this is not what it means to banish or cast out death no to banish death means to in the name of jesus christ i die i die to anger i die to bitterness in the death of the lord jesus how do i banish death this means to be immersed in death yes let's read Jesus said, whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. It turns out that this is how we give birth to Methuselah, not just to banish death, to kick it as a soccer ball but here it says he who loses his life will preserve it i tell you in that night there will be two men and one man the one will be taken and the other will be left two women will be grinding together, the one will be taken and the other left. Two men will be in the field, the one will be taken and the other left. And they answered and said to him, Where, Lord? So he said to them, Wherever the body is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Where the body is, there will be the birth of Methuselah. Where the body is, the death of the Lord Jesus, there will be the banishment of death. The banishment of death. Eagles on the face of angels of the Lord will participate and lead those who are being raptured to meet the Lord in the air. And they will be able to distinguish those who are being raptured by the presence of an aroma that comes from death to reigning sin, which for them is the fragrance of Christ, so for angels. For us, this is our death to reigning sin, for angels, this is the fragrance of Christ. And to give justice to the stranger, orphan, and widow means demonstrate virtue in our faith, which is called to demonstrate justice to our neighbor. Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. Let's take a look at how we can correctly give judgment to the stranger, orphan, and widow, or correctly appraise them. His, to give judgment to stranger, orphan, and widow is to protect us. What is it needed for? To protect us. God will always protect these people, and therefore we must protect these people. Then he spoke a parable to them, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice from me, from my adversary. And he went not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? So he pay attention. Here this is talking about how God is going to protect the widow, orphan, and fatherless, or the stranger. In this judgment, he will grow in her faith. He says, when Jesus Christ says, will he be able to find faith on the earth? Let us take a look who this rival is who went against this widow. Given that this is a parable, a rival is a person claiming the right of inheritance left by a widow after the death of her husband. The image of the rival of the widow is the old man living in the body and claiming that this body belongs to him by right of inheritance. So, when we die or when our mind goes through death, then the old man in this time tells us, he understands where he's going, he says, All right, give me my lawful rights in this body i have a lawful right to this i was here from the beginning of birth i am the i've been living here for a long time this mind that used to completely submit to me it's died now uh, the widow is left please give me place in this body and then what does the widow do she momentarily goes to the judge protect me and that old man says well i've lived here this body belongs to me if your mind has died in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, and now it is He's renews his thinking with the spirit of the mind, then the body of the old man is mine. I need to go to the judge. Momentarily, we must understand that when we say uh, orphan, widow, and stranger, that this is, uh, we have those that despise us and that want to try to discredit us. Therefore, we need to go to the judge. These are our enemies that go against us, our old man. Therefore, we must be protected and seek protection. To find one's inheritance, the adoption of one's body through the redemption of Christ is possible only in only one way. So, this judge is sitting and the widow says, protect me. He says, my beloved or my dear one
1: to gain your
0: inheritance and the adoption of your body through the redemption of Christ, he has a cold face like I do right now, is possible in one way. This is through instruction in faith, to accept the promise in one's heart that it consists in the adoption of your body through the redemption of Christ. And this promise is called to discover itself in your heart in the dignity of the fruit of righteousness in the birth of Methuselah, banishing death of the old man. After the birth of Methuselah we can consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God calling the inexistent as existent. And when the fullness of time is fulfilled for the fulfillment of this promise, if the Son of God finds faith in the fulfillment of this promise in your body, then your body will transform in the blink of an eye from an earthly state into a heavenly state. So. This is how the Lord protects the widows, orphans, and the strangers. So through our proclamations, through the proclamation of the truth of God, that truth that we have renewed our thinking with, by the spirit of our mind, we have renewed our thinking. This means that our husband has died, and the judge says, okay, let me give you a hint. In your hands, there is such a strong weapon. Why are you quiet? Why? Do you scream out to me, I am like a judge, I'm giving you a hint. You have everything This, to, this right to cast out, this rival. The law is on your side. And then the widow understands that, okay, my husband has died. I've renewed my thing with the spirit of mind. And now what do I need to do? It turns out I need to proclaim and to consider myself dead to sin and alive to God and to call the inexistent as existent. And the, the judgment, the verdict is in. And the old man is tied up to have the legal right to demonstrate our faith in the virtue of the just judgment toward our neighbor. So we will move on in order for this to be uh, legally uh, fundamental. If we've come to the judge, then under this we're going to see a seal because we must understand that sometimes we can speak, but we don't have the right to do certain things. Scripture says that we have the authority to the right for the authority to the right, to call the inexistent as existent, it's necessary to have this authority. To have this authority, this means to have circumcision. Again, in order to proclaim those truths that we proclaim, for this it is necessary to have a right, and to have a right to this, it is necessary to have The legal power, legal authority expressed in the seal of God. And this is how this seal is expressed in circumcision. So we must circumcise our heart, which in practice means to make with God a covenant of blood, a covenant of salt, and a covenant of rest and baptism in water, Holy Spirit, and fire. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 16 through 18. Therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality, nor takes a bribe. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow, and loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. Here we see through circumcision, and under the food that God gives a stranger, orphan, and fatherless in this case, is referring to communion with the body of Christ through communion with the Passover, when we partake of the body of Christ and drink his blood. And the clothing that God gives the stranger, the orphan, and the widow, are the clothes of or the garments of righteousness. So our participation or communion with Passover and Passover, and we are clothed in the garments of righteousness. In order to quickly Uh, In order to correctly participate in communion, we must correctly be able to understand it. Before Christ had created or had conducted Passover, He had verified who among His multitude of disciples was the tree that God had planted, His Father, or the tree that was not God that planted. He said this thought, if you do not eat My flesh or drink My blood, you can't participate with Me the disciples for whom he was authority, they said, what strange words he's speaking. These words are the words of a foolish person. And they all left. Twelve came and Peter said, Lord, you know that after these words, everyone had left you. He said, wonderful. Now we are ready to break the bread. At the Passover,
1: he didn't say,
0: who eats, eats of the flesh, drinks of blood. He took the bread. He took, he, took a piece and he said, this is a symbol of my body. Peter says, Lord, if you would have said this earlier, they would not have left. He said, well, then why didn't you not leave? Because you were the authority for us. He said, for them, I was not an authority. They liked my signs, my wonders, my healings. They wanted the authority to the anointing, but they did not accept me. He took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant to my blood. Someone said, Lord, if you would have said this before, how could you have told the Jews to eat of your flesh and drink of your blood? Therefore, we must understand
1: that when we correctly participate
0: in Passover, this is a correct relationship to the body.
1: In
0: Hebrew, under the heart, we oftentimes refer to the whole person including his spirit soul and body we're talking about circumcising the foreskin of the heart and under this heart when God says or when the word of God says it is referring to our spirit, our soul, and our body. Therefore, on one end, circumcision is a sign of the covenant that serves as evidence that this person has died to the nation of his household, uh, his nation, his household, and his corrupt desires. On the other hand, circumcision is a seal of righteousness that is brought on the prepared document of righteousness, which discovers itself in two things, meditation upon what is heavenly and the state of the heart that dwells in the inheritance of the unearthly world or on earthly peace. Meditation upon what is heavenly is verified by the fact that this person died to sin and lives for God, whereas the location of the heart in the state of the peace of God is verified by the fact that God does not impute sin to this person in which he was born from the vain life of his fathers. Romans 4, 8-13 Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness, How then was it accounted, while he was circumcised or uncircumcised, not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised, and he received the sign of the circumcision as a seal of righteousness of the faith, which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. And the father of circumcision to those who not only are of circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of the faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. For the promise that he would be the heir of peace was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. In the reborn by God's spirit of a person, circumcision will be expressed in the brokenness of the spirit, and in the soul of a person, circumcision will be expressed in the worship of a prince at the feet of the house of the Lord. In the body of a person, circumcision will be expressed in the pure lips that proclaim the faith of our heart. Only in the presence of such circumcision that dwells in three substances of our essence will we obtain the right to not misjudge a stranger, orphan, and widow.
1: Deuteronomy chapter 24,
0: verses 17 through 22. You shall not pervert justice do the stranger or the fatherless, nor take a widow's garment as a pledge. But you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore I command you to do this thing. When you reap your harvest in your field, and forget a sheaf in the field, You shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over the bows again. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow.
1: When you gather the grapes of your vineyard,
0: you shall not glean it afterward. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow and you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, therefore I command you to do this thing. The stranger for us in this case is a new man who lives in our body as a stranger. To not misjudge a stranger means to not attribute the revelation that belongs to our new man to the abilities of our soul and not use them to achieve material goals.
1: Galatians chapter 5 verses 16 through
0: 17. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. The orphan for us, in this case, is our soul under the condition that it has died in the death of our Lord Jesus to the house of our Father. As it is written, Matthew chapter 8, verses 21-22 through 22. Then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. To not misjudge the orphan means to not attribute the thinking of the renewed spirit of our mind to the abilities given to us to the vain seed of our fathers who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. And the widow for us in this case is our soul that has died in the death of the Lord Jesus to reigning sin on our body in the face of the old man living in our body. Romans chapter 7 verses 1 through 6 Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives? For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then if, while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law, so that there is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Therefore, brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that you should bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. In biblical times, when a person cannot repay his debt, then on the one hand, the lender borrowed clothes from him until he repaid his debt. And on the other hand, the debtor became a slave of his lender. However, if the neighbor could not pay his debt before a sunset, his clothes should be returned to him before sunset. Exodus chapter 22 verses 26 to 27. If you ever take your neighbor's garment as a pledge, You shall return it to him before the sun goes down. For what is his only covering? For that is his only covering. It is his garment for his skin. What will he sleep in? Before, uh, in old times, uh, people used to have one garment. And this garment not only had covered him, but had also warmed him in the night. And scripture says that if he has given you his, his garments, then how will he sleep? So, and then, when you need Christ to me, I will hear, for I am gracious. The light of this image pointed to our relationship in the body of Christ, in which we are called to forgive one another before the setting of the sun, which gave God the basis to forgive our sins. Matthew chapter 6, verses 14-15. through 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So here it's necessary to understand that forgiveness is the legal act. What is a legal act? Forgiveness means to return garments. We can't ask, for example, a person who is lawless, a person who is wicked. Why? Because he doesn't have garments of righteousness. Therefore, to say, I forgive in the name of Jesus Christ, is incorrect. With these words we will fall to calamity. Forgiveness is the legal act. We can forgive only saints or those who have garments. We must be rid of bitterness if lawless people have brought it upon us and to pass it along to the righteous judge so that he can protect us. But when we are talking about uh, relationships between brothers and sisters, between saints, we must forgive them. This is the legal act. To return garments means to bless him so that God can have mercy upon him and work with him and when the widow. Again, we highlighted, when the widow was not able to pay the debt of her deceased husband, it was forbidden to take her garments as a deposit and enslave her for the debt of her dead husband. The light of this image indicated a relationship with God in which God did not impute sin to us, the culprit of which was our old man, under the condition that we took off the old man with his works by considering ourselves dead to sin and alive to God, calling the inexistent as existent. If we have circumcision of the foreskin of our heart, again, Pastor sums this up here, which is verified by the state of a stranger, orphan, and widow, then this means that we demonstrate brotherly love in our faith and pass from death to life. This was an interesting and broad image. God wants to protect us, but this He will do on His rights. And He wants us to know about these rights. For devil to not die, to not lie to us, to say you have no righteousness. Saints, if you were a widow, an orphan, and a stranger, no one has a right to to touch your garments. Sometimes people say, I forgive pastor, I forgive pastor. He just didn't uh, spend enough time on the internet to learn about the virus. I forgive him. What do you mean you forgive him? To forgive is a legal act. To forgive means that his garments must be in your hands. And to forgive only the person who who would sin against you. Scripture says that a person is a widow, a foreigner, and an orphan. There's nothing to return to him. What's interesting is that God says,
1: God does not impute sin to him. When a brother
0: sins against us, then we receive their garments and we can forgive them and return it to them. But scripture says, if they are in a stir...
1: What do you mean you forgive
0: a person who does not sin against you? It's very, very dangerous for us to create prayers that God will, will not hear. That's why I speak of these things. The sixth result of the demonstration of brotherly love in our faith will be our righteousness, expressed in our zeal for God that is directed to protecting our neighbors from a deadly plague. Psalms 106, verses 28-31. They join themselves also to Baal of Peor and aid sacrifices made to the dead. Thus they provoked him to anger with their deeds, and the plague broke out among them. Then Phinehas stood up and intervened, and the plague was stopped. And that was accounted to him for righteousness to all generations forevermore. And so, what allowed the deadly plague to enter was that Israel had clung to the deity that the Midianites worshipped, and they participated in fornication with the daughters of Moab. The action of Phineas in which he protected his neighbors in the face of his people from that deadly plague was that his righteousness brought him from death to life. Let's take a look at how he went from death to life. Scripture says that if we love our brethren, we have gone from death to life. And this is how Phineas, this brotherly love is manifested or demonstrated through Phineas. Let's take a look at how Phineas went from death to life because he loved his brethren. Phineas the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saw it. He rose from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand. And he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through. The man of Israel and the woman threw her body, so the plague was stopped among the children of Israel. And those who died in the plague were twenty-four thousand. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, has turned back my wrath from the children of Israel, because he was zealous with my zeal among them, so that I did not consume the children of Israel in my zeal. Therefore say, Behold, I give to him my covenant of peace, and it shall be to him that his descendants after him, a covenant of an everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his God and made atonement for the children of Israel. Now the name of the Israelite who was killed, who was killed with the Midianite woman, was Zimri, the son of Salu, a leader of a father's house among the Simeonites. And the name of the Midianite woman who was killed was Cosby, the daughter of Zur. He was head of the people of a father's house in Midian, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Harass the Midianites and attack them. For they harassed you with their schemes, by which they seduced you in the matter of Peor, and in the matter of Cosby, the daughter of a leader of Midian, your sister, who was killed in the day of the plague because of Peor. And so, this event is tied to sanctification of the people of Israel, the initiator of which was God, so that he could cleanse his people from fornication with the daughters of Moab and from the idols that the Moabites worshipped, which the Israelites also clung to. On the one hand, sanctification was comprised of hanging all the leaders of the people before the sun and killing all those who had clung to Baal Peor with a sword. On the other hand, sanctification was comprised of complete separation from the Midianites, battling with them and destroying them. Sanctification that does not carry our complete separation from wicked and lawless people who resist the truth and have left their assemblies is a parody of sanctification. In our time, worship to Baal Peor is viewed as our tolerant relationship to idolatry expressed in being enticed by supernatural manifestations. Fornication with the daughters of Moab is viewed as being swayed and enticed by all kinds of winds of teaching according to the cunningness and craftiness behind which stand doubtful congregations. Zimri, the son of Salu, was a leader of the tribe of Simeon, but at that time he was not found Around that tribe, because he was found among the Midianites and worshipped Baal Peor. The name Zimri means this a person, this Israel that was killed, it means my song. And the name of the Midianite woman whom he brought into the camp of Israel during sanctification was named Cosby, which means deceiving. Numbers twenty-five one through six. Now Israel remained in acacia grove, and the people began to commit harlotry with the woman of Moab. They invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel was joined to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. Then the Lord God said to Moses, "Take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders before the Lord out in the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel." So Moses said to the judge of Israel, "Every one of you." kill his men who were joined to Baal of Peor. And indeed one of the children of Israel came and presented to his brethren a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And here pastor says now imagine a picture 24,000 died of a deadly plague. And to stop it Moses hanged all the leaders of the people of the Lord before the sun because they carried away the people to idolatry and worship toward idols of prosperity in the search for supernatural manifestations. And the judges of the people, by the order of Moses, killed with a sword in the camp of Israel all who remained after the defeat by a deadly plague, who had clung to Baal Peor. Now all the people, led by Moses, stood at the entrance of the tabernacle of assembly and wept. And now in front of Moses and all the people, the head of the tribe of Simeon, brings a Midianite woman into the camp of Israel, introduces her into his tent, and copulates with her. The Moabites and Midianites are Lot's descendants, descended from the incest of Lot's daughters with their father. In this case, the Moabites are the image of a man born of God whose soul is not clothed in the death of the Lord Jesus. The union of a man born of God with a soul that was not lost in the death of a Christ, in relation to God, is considered fornication. If we, being kings and priests to God, do not have the ability to show zeal to God, in order to protect our neighbors from a deadly plague, then the grace of God will turn into a cause of debauchery by virtue of which the grace of God could not reign in our hearts through righteousness to lead us from death to life and erect in our bodies the power of life. Jude chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turned the grace of our God into lewdness and denied the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus. And so to summarize everything we have read above, in this component, if we war with the Midianites in our body and in our congregations, this means that we have passed from death to life.
1: And seventh sign, the result
0: of demonstrating love and our faith will be our lines that have fallen in pleasant places in our inheritance that is good to us. Psalms chapter sixteen verses five through six. O oh Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintained my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance
1: the territory
0: of our inherited portion containing in itself the bond of all precious promises of God accepted by us through the person who is called in the powers of the fatherhood of God will be our heart that dwells in the atmosphere of brotherly love so take a look at where our inheritance is scripture says that our inheritance is found in heaven and it turns out that our God views our heart also a heart that dwells in the atmosphere of brotherly love. And this is not enough. A little above is written. If we have an un- imperishable inheritance of God that has been accepted by a person who has been clothed in the power of the fatherhood of God, and now, if our heart has an atmosphere of brotherly love, these heavens, so when we say, Lord, I thank you for the imperishable inheritance and our inheritance which you are keeping in heaven, we must understand, yes, they are found in heaven. But here it's also beautifully shown that these heavens are also found in our heart, under the conditions that these precious promises were accepted through the correct person, through the person who represents the fatherhood of God, and if in our heart dwells the atmosphere of brotherly love, then these these heavens is the promise that is found in the heart and is simply waiting for the time when it is called to be uncovered. And the lines that have fallen in pleasant places are the boundaries of the commandments of the Lord, separating the territory of the wealth of the perishable doomed to be burned by fire from the imperishable inheritance and the dignity of our lot, which contains in itself the totality of all the precious promises of God that make us partakers of His divine nature. So the boundaries of God, if we have this truth in our heart, then these boundaries of God will separate the imperishable inheritance from a perishable that is meant to be burned in the fire. It's very important to understand, very important to understand. Because God is going to reveal His inheritance only when He sees that if in our heart we have correct lines that have fallen in pleasant places, there is a separation between what is perishable and what is imperishable, and this is very important for us to understand. Not just I have accepted this truth and engraved it in my heart to the man of God, and in my heart there is an atmosphere. Well, now there must be lines. We must have a clear separation between rich, imperishable riches that are meant to be doomed to death and imperishable riches that is the inherited portion. And now the lot, the lot that scripture says that the lot is in the hands of God. You maintain my lot. A lot is an atmosphere of brotherly love revealing itself in the inheritance of our beautiful and unexplored inheritance in Christ Jesus, destined for us by God before the creation of the world in which we proclaim what is hallowed unto God in which He calms down from all His works. So the Lord holds us as His lot, or maintains us as His lot, His inheritance. Now let's take a look at how we can have a lawful right to have this. Proverbs 4:20 through 29 my son give attention to my words incline your ear to my sayings do not let them depart from your eyes keep them in the midst of your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life put away from you a deceitful mount mouth and put perverse lips far from you let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you ponder the path of your feet And let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. Proverbs chapter
1: 4, verses 20 through 29. Based on
0: the available statement addressed by the Father to His Son, it follows that the atmosphere of brotherly love in our heart, which transfers us from the state of death to the state of life, are the instructions of the Father, of which are said, for they are life to those who find them. First, for the instruction of the Father to form in our heart the atmosphere of brotherly love, it is necessary to heed the words of our Father, to incline our ear to His
1: words.
0: An inclined ear to the words of the Father points to the humility of the heart that is prepared to fulfill the words of the Father and points to the good soil of the heart in which the words of the Father become the faith of the heart. Second, it was necessary for the instruction of the Father to not depart from our eyes, because that which we look at transforms us into its image. By virtue of this, the words of the Father, which do not depart from the contemplation of our eyes and become the figurative thinking of our heart, affirm the faith of our heart or make it firm. So, we must look at the Father. To look at the Father means to affirm the faith of our heart through our meditation. When we meditate or when we meditate, when we communicate with saints with one another, then we begin to meditate. This means that we are looking at the revelation of the Father. Third, it's necessary for the instruction of the Father, which forms the atmosphere of brotherly love, to keep it in our heart. By keeping the words of our Father inside our hearts, we give God the foundation to fulfill them at the, same, at the time set by Him. Fulfillment of these three conditions is possible only in one case. We left infancy which does not have a father and does not recognize the father because he is fond of all kinds of winds of doctrine which are deceived by seducers who have the ability to fly to the uncircumcised ear and again also to leave infancy is to clear a conscience from dead deeds which is well expressed in these words ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established do not turn to the right or the left remove your foot from evil And all your ways will be firm. Do not go to the right or to the left. To summarize, of this, this, the seven component of the atmosphere of brotherly love in our hearts, it follows that if our relationships with one another flow in the boundaries of the commandments of the Lord and discover itself in an inheritance that is good to us, this means that we have the atmosphere of brotherly love and have passed from death to life. We, for quite some time now, have been studying brotherly love in the in the love of God, Agape. On our next services, we will take a look together at the love of God, Agape, which finds itself in brotherly love. So we looked at how we can be found or what who we need to be in God. But now, when God is found in us, we will look at who we must be. And it's necessary for us to know the words of the Father, and to fill ourselves with this dew, because it's very important, as pastor had said on Friday, that we must completely cover with dew our ground, in order for the resurrection of Christ to reign in the bodies of saints. And Elijah, before rapture, received the right to this dew. He said, the Lord lives before whom I stand. These days there will not be any dew or any rain if not according to my word. He received authority over the dew. To receive authority over the dew can be done by the person who correctly acts towards the the manna, the word of God. Because each time in Israel, when there was a dew on the grass along with it, there was something very, very small. This was manna that appeared. And when the dew disappeared, the manna disappeared scripture says to him who overcomes i will give him power i will allow him to eat of the precious manna precious manna means he who overcomes will receive authority over the dew he who overcomes when he receives and he feeds from the precious manna this is not an infant manna scripture says or to the only he who overcomes will have Access to the hidden manna. This comes with the dew, and the dew is necessary for us to nourish ourselves with the words of God. When the when the rain of teaching comes and the dew, the words, in order to cover ourselves with the dew of God and with the proclamations of God, is necessary for us to correctly act toward manna. To correctly act toward manna, this is correctly act toward the Father, as we have talked about. And these correct relationships give us the right to the dew. And how much dew do we need? Scripture says that when Pastor bought an example, Gideon, that he needed enough dew for that fleece, that fleece that he had placed that had been taken off the animal, an image of taking off the old man with his works in which he placed on the threshing floor. And he said, Lord, here's the sign which I want to receive from you to know Will you be able to, with my hand, make great victory in my essence? Let this fleece, this cut fleece, let only on it be the dew, and on the threshing floor let it be dry. When he got up early in the morning, he needed to gather the manna, it was time of gathering the manna. He took this fleece, and he wrung it out, and he filled a full cup and after this, he said, a second sign, now let the dew appear not on this fleece, but let it appear only on the ground. Let this dew cover my whole body. And Pastor Verinching said, in the first case, we receive the authority over the, in the power of life, and second, we are clothed. Unto our new man, God will not allow the earth to be covered with dew until we demonstrate before Him and we wring out the full cup. Someone will say, "Well, I will pour with a hose." No, you can't pour this cup with a hose. This must be dew. This must be dew. Dew appears under one condition: when there's when the atmosphere is filled with moisture. There is a very warm air, but during the evening, the flowers and the grass, there is no sin, but they become cold, and everything that on earth that becomes cold, then upon it is gathered this dew, accumulates this dew, and we know that to be cold means to consider ourselves dead to sin, and to be hot means to To be alive for god so in order to conduct this atmosphere in order for the dew of god to cover us it's necessary for us there's a lot that it's necessary the cup must be filled not by the hose we must create an atmosphere in which dew is is born or is present and this is going to be a sign that the Lord is going to be ready to come for His church. And when He does come, then you know that a person, whose notes of our pastor, whose notes we read, he's already living in this week. So people say, when did this week start? Friends, for the church it may not have begun, but in order to pass along these revelations for this person, I can truly say that for him, this, these, this week or these seven years have started. This is the unique aspect of it. God has not come to take one person. He did this one time. He will come for His church in a global sense. It's necessary for all of us to understand. In this example, that which we hear today, how we can clothe ourselves into the dew of God. If He needs to wait for us, He will wait for us. But we have people who are already, uh, who are already part of this week. This person who is clothed in the fatherhood of God, he lives in this week. Apostle Paul, 2,000 years ago, had said the following words, And now we, who have been left alive, along with those who have died, will be raptured to meet with the Lord. A question arises, Apostle Paul, will, will you not remain living? It could ask, and then you, the Church of God, in the future being left alive along with us who have died in faith will be raptured no Apostle Paul says I am living in the atmosphere in the last week therefore it would be correct to say that I along with you with the church of the end days because you were going to take from me I Apostle Paul along with you am going to be raptured but before this will die and rise those Apostle Paul counted himself as part of us. Why? Because if Paul would not have lived in the last in, in the last part of the week Apostol Cardi would not be able to live here. if Apostol Arcadi could not live in these seven years and his this week would not be in him or these seven years we would not understand these truths. We are going to hear them. our heart uh, was uncovered for God is necessary for him before doing something it's necessary for him to engrave the visions and to engrave it clearly on the tablets of our heart because he remembers only when he sees not just what is engraved, but to engrave is to show in himself an example, to write this image. He doesn't need to illustrate. He wants to show an image in himself, to engrave it and to show it through himself. Lord, we have this, and the Lord is looking. People are living according to this in, in this in this week. It is a time to gather the church. Therefore, Thank God that we have people who are living uh, during the end days and that we are living in it. May you be blessed in your prayers. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for the great privilege to be in this place that Your hand has outlined for the worship of Your Holy Name. We thank You that in this place that there is no place for bitterness, there is no place for anger. We thank You that You have allowed us to go from the state of death to the state of life because we love our brethren, because in our midst, in our church, in relations, among one another, there is the true love of God. I thank you that among us there are no hypocrites, that among us there is true, holy truth, the selective love of God. And we thank you, Lord, that we know, and we don't just know, but today,
1: our feelings,
0: our emotions, are...
1: We can control our emotions. We have this brotherly love. We thank You, Lord,
0: for the legal right to forgive saints and to be forgiven. We thank You that today we can forgive in our prayers all those who have done something against us and we do not hold any bitterness against them. If in our hands there are the garments of our brother, then we return this these garments and we bless him so that he could in the atmosphere of mercy do something. And those to whom we cannot remove righteousness because return righteousness because they've been trampled on, we pass this along to you as the righteous judge and we ask you to protect us to protect your inheritance, to protect your saints. We thank you, Lord,
1: that
0: you are our strength.
1: You are our rock, our
0: fortress, our deliverer. You are our rock of Israel. You are the rock of our salvation you are our refuge and we have called upon you Lord because you are the one who is worthy to be praised we have called out to you Lord and you have heard our voice from your depths and for your inheritance for your chosen remnants you have inclined your heavens And you have come and sat upon the cherubims and have flew upon the wings of the wind.
1: You have sent your
0: thunder and your lightning. And our enemies began to fear. And you have stretched out your hand toward us and you have brought us out of the many waters and have set us upon a broad place in the resurrection of Christ because you favor your saints. We thank you, Lord, for those powers that we have in the resurrection of Christ. We thank you, Lord, that today we are able to pray with those words that we have received from the person who represents for us the fatherhood of God. We thank you that we could look upon these revelations. We can meditate upon these revelations. We can cover ourselves with these revelations and these prayers preparing ourselves to to meet with you. We thank you, Lord, for the great victory that we have to feed from the tree of life that you have allowed us to grow in the Eden of our heart. We thank you, Lord, that as those who are victorious, that we have the right to eat of the manna.
1: And by eating of it, we receive the authority to your due. And Lord, today we cover
0: the due of of proclamations, our promise, so that our cup could be full. We consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. And we call the inexistent as existent in this physical realm. We thank you for the resurrection of Christ. May it reign not just in the hearts,
1: in our let it
0: also reign in our souls and bodies. We thank you that it has rained in our hearts, and we know this because you have cleansed our conscience from dead works and have written or engraved your truth on there.
1: You have
0: engraved it clearly so that you can read it. And you have allowed, allowed us, Lord, to be your letter. We thank you, Lord, that your holiness has touched our soul and has allowed us with the truth of the Word of God hidden in our spirit to renew our thinking.
1: We ask you, Lord, to protect
0: us from our rival, who is presented in the face of the old man who contends to that inheritance that we contend to. We want to cover our bodies with the dew of resurrection. He wants to cover it with eternal death.
1: And we ask you, Lord,
0: and we turn to you as judges protect your inheritance, Lord.
1: We speak this
0: on the foundation of the covenant which you have made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in which you have demonstrated in your power and in your Son in Jesus Christ. We, Lord, die and in the covenant blood of blood, salt, and rest who make an eternal covenant with you that can comfort your heart. Allow us, Lord, like Phineas, to fulfill your judgment and to satisfy your holiness first in us, and then you will fulfill it through us, in that measure and there where you will find it necessary and correct. We thank you, Lord, for all of these truths that we hear and that dwell in our heart, and we await those revelations from you that you have prepared for us. In our future sermons, Lord, we will keep it in our heart, we will look upon it, and we are going to cherish it in fear and in trembling before your word, because we have truly known that you answer your righteous one from your heavens and you fill him with your revelations and we ask you Lord so that today this precious promise can become the achievement of each of us which will allow us to be clothed and these precious promises and meet with you Lord upon that place and at that time which is found in your divine authority and this allow us Lord to continue to nourish us with the dew of the proclamations and word of God and await for our cup to be filled completely, which will allow the resurrection of life to reign in our bodies, allow us to, to fulfill this great atmosphere in which the dew of resurrection can appear to be dead, to sin, and to be alive to God. May Our name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be blessed. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the hand of the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power